This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. You already know what it means to live a fulfilling life. You may have had glimpses of this inner knowing and clarity after meditation or other activities like skiing or playing music that help us return to ourselves. In these moments, we are present, connected, creative, and open to possibilities. However, once we step back into the fast-paced world, our default habits to rush and react kick back in. We feel tempted to run to the comfort of what's familiar and easy, even though the outcomes are not ultimately healthy or fulfilling. We know that we're not leading a fulfilling life when we don't have enough energy, time, or whatever it takes to make meaningful choices, be it at home, work, school, or in relationships. Instead, we can train ourselves to return to ourselves to the field of non-judging awareness within us. In returning to ourselves, we reconnect with what's present, what's important, and our potential. The possibilities that exist in this vast, open field of awareness are endless. Mindfulness empowers us to come back to ourselves again and again, so we may see more clearly and have the courage to take intentional steps, even amidst chaos and uncertainty. Valeria Telles interviews Dr. Shalini Ball, She is a mindfulness coach, an award-winning researcher, keynote speaker, and certified mindfulness-based stress reduction and search-inside-yourself teacher. Based on 15 years of research and a cross-disciplinary approach, Dr. Ball provides customized solutions to businesses, educators, and political clients for building essential mindfulness skills to disrupt default thinking and cope with stress, become more resilient, and live with empowered choice for personal and collective fulfillment. Certified at the Center for Mindfulness, UMass Medical School, and the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, originating at Google, Dr. Ball is the founder of Know Your Mind, LLC, a social business with the mission of making evidence-based mindfulness skills widely accessible. Dr. Ball's understanding of neuroscience, psychology, and management gives her a deeper appreciation of each client's unique journey and meets them where they are. A former successful entrepreneur and business professor, Dr. Ball's cultural experiences of living and working in three countries, India, Kuwait, and the USA, allow her to engage with diverse audiences, including CEOs and executives at Fortune 500 companies, educators, and students. As an affiliated expert at the Eisenberg School of Management, UMass Amherst, Dr. Ball provides her mindfulness teachings via accredited leadership programs to executive MBAs, faculty, and staff. Dr. Ball is a TEDx speaker and a town counselor in Amherst. 
Her research has been published in premier marketing and public policy journals and won the Best Research Paper Award from the American Marketing Association in 2019. Her guided meditations and programs have had over 250,000 plays on the Insight Timer and Simple Habit app. She's working on a book and accompanying digital app tentatively titled Return, Eight Mindful Habits to Return to Yourself for a Clearer, Bolder Life. Meet Dr. Shalini at knowyourmind.training. Here's the interview with Dr. Shalini Ball. In your own words, who is Shalini the hell? <laughs> Ooh, so Shalini is an infinite number of things and energy. Uh, I'm a mother, wife, daughter, a mindfulness practitioner, teacher, researcher, lover of life. And I think what ties all of these different facets of myself is my intention of showing up in each moment as a good human being. That's beautiful to hear. It's lovely to hear that every time from my guests and and people around me too. This intention or the practice of becoming a better human being, a good human being. And Mm -hmm. with that in mind, how would you describe what that is? What does a good human being look like from your perspective? Mm -hmm. That's such a good question. For me, it's, I think each of us has to come up with our own experience and understanding of what it means to be a good human being. What I've arrived at with my own contemplation, reflection is, is learning to tap into that innate capacity in myself to love, to be present to my own self. Firstly, that's one thing I've learned much later in life because so much of my focus was on other beings and other people and taking care of them, partly being maybe from an Indian culture, being in that generation of women where we were taught to really take care of other people and other people's needs. So to some extent that came more naturally to me, part of being a good human being is really being attentive to what others, uh, other people need and how can I support them in their journey to be a good human being. And and now more recently, I've added a very, very important part, which is of stopping and, you know, returning to myself and and connecting with what is it that I need and how can I share my gifts uh, with the world in a way that serves others? Oh, I love that. Of course, that's one of my favorite topics and <laughs> concepts and ideas and practices in this lifetime, if there are others. Do you connect this return to ourselves to the idea of self-love and self-worth and self-compassion? Absolutely. Um, my di- I'm just going to deviate a little bit. My dissertation in my PhD in marketing was actually on multiple selves and how we have these different identities and facets of ourselves. And in the very deep research that I did, what I found across all the people that I interviewed, no matter how successful or uh, accomplished they were, there is this inner critic that we all have, you know, that quiet, sometimes it's a quiet whisper, nagging voice. You could have done better. Yeah, you you could be better. You could have done better. 
And so we all have that inner critic. And when we don't turn, return to ourselves to pay attention and listen, listen to that voice, it's kinds of kind of takes over how we show up in the world. And so you're absolutely right that returning to ourselves and listening to even that critical voice and not trying to kind of push it away, but rather befriending even that inner critic and saying, oh, hello, you, there you are again. And what do you have to say? And so really engaging with that voice, with kindness, we can turn that inner critic voice from being an obstacle from making us show up smaller, we can transform that into love, into uh, helping us be our fullest selves in the world. That's a practice, right, Shalini? Mm -hmm. Or this is an understanding? It's a practice for sure. We have to keep coming back to it because we have so many messages out there and the culture. And somehow, I guess we learned that as kids, you know, even people who love us, like our parents or teachers, you know, we've always learned like, oh, do this or this will happen or you need to show up in this way and this is right and this is wrong. And so as children, when we were free and open and curious and willing to make mistakes and fearless in that way, but somehow as we get older to conform, to be better, we have we develop these ideas and to undo that, to unlearn those ideas, we kind of have to then do this as a practice. And that's um, a very interesting topic that you actually write about in your new, new book about the uh, habits. And you have also, you've written an article about that. I believe I have here the second section. I'll be asking you questions about them. Or maybe not the habits, but the eight mm-hmm. qualities of the mind. And then, of course, I'll be asking questions mm-hmm. about the habits, which is so true. We mm-hmm. kind of adopt these uh, ways of living And then we identify so much with them that they become our reality. That's all we can see. And that is such a, like you said earlier, you used the word small. It's like a small world to live in Mm -hmm. from my perspective too. And then when I think about this more broad vision or perspective of who we are, which from what I see in your work, you call it love. And I call that too, unconditional love. That is a place that there's, um, I'm not sure if that can be experienced. Can it, Shalini? Can we experience the depth of who we are? Let's say pure consciousness. The What is the essence? Actually, the essence of who we are. Because all we can really see is experience. So in a way, I was thinking about this earlier today, actually reflecting, mm-hmm. that it might be that who we really are cannot be experienced So everything that we experience is exactly the opposite. It's what we are not. I like to think of it in a way that we actually have many moments in our day where we do touch upon that quality, just being our authentic selves. For example, when we are with our, with kids, you know, they bring up because they're so present that we automatically return to that place of connection uh, with them where we lose sense of time or we lose sense of right, wrong. And it's, it's just that we're present, right? We're connected, we're present. And that is authentic and true in that moment. 
we feel that maybe when we are out in nature sometimes, you know, just see the sunrise or just yesterday we saw this big, suddenly out of nowhere in this open field, I see this big golden moon rising. And and you're just like, oh, wow. You know, so in those moments where we are present, we have disrupted that cycle of default habits of showing up in that busy, crazy, uh, mindless way. And so that's why, you know, I ended up choosing the topic for my TEDx talk and the book is like returning back to that capacity within us. So it's it's not something we have to really work hard to do. It is our innate capacity to be present, connected, and know. And yeah, I can say more, but let me yeah. take a moment see if you have <laughs> right Ah, now. yes, it resonates in a way that when we are present, as you say, then there is um, a sense of no time and space. So mm. it, as if we are not experiencing this, which we call life, it's almost as if they have disappeared. Almost everything has disappeared. And now it's just this, which cannot be described really what it is. I know we try right. to use words, right? But it's beyond words. Right, right. So we have this innate capacity and yet, so we know how to do get there. And yet there are other times in our day, right? When we get triggered or we get this angry email or someone just says something out of the blue. And in those moments, how do we return back to that capacity? So that's the topic of the book. That was the topic for my TEDx talk. And that's been my own personal search for many years now, because I started meditating about 20 years ago. And even though just meditation, training the mind to be present and compassionate was so beneficial at so many levels. However, I found that when I went back into life and I was making important decisions, I was still stuck in the same patterns of thinking. So that's what got me thinking about like, well, here I've been meditating and teaching this and studying this and researching it. And yet in life, I'm making the same mistakes, it seems like. And so what's that gap between that awareness connection when I'm present in meditation and then when I'm out in the world? Mm. And how do we bridge that? Yeah, what a beautiful work and practice. So I'll be asking you questions about that. Let me ask you this last open question. It's spirituality. How to define spirituality? And is the work you do spiritual? It can be if you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, so my work is to reach people and meet people where they are. Sometimes I meet people who are, you know, just they're so fatigued, so exhausted, and they're busy professionals, executives, and and I meet them there. And all they want to know is how do I deal with this stress, with my panic attacks that I get? or So I meet them there. And then slowly, without ever using the word spiritual, you know, just when they learn to stop and return back to themselves with curiosity, with compassion, that is them coming back to uh, themselves, being, learning how to listen to themselves, what makes them come alive, you know, what fulfills them. So all of those are part of this spiritual journey, as far as I'm concerned, but we may call it different things. 
So I would say, yes, it is a spiritual, it is spiritual work. And yet we call it by different names. You mentioned earlier, you are a mindfulness coach, certified mindfulness-based stress reduction and search inside yourself teacher. You're Mm -hmm. also a researcher and you have given a TEDx talk on the topic is returning to the field within, how to be mindful when it matters most. What a beautiful title. And then you're also writing a new book Yeah, you have been talking about, not as a specific topic, but I would love to hear more about that. The book that you're writing in the working title is Return, Eight Mindful Habits to Return to Yourself for a Clear, Bolder Life. And then there's something else that you do. Wow, you do a lot of things, amazing things. <laughs> you're also the founder of Know Your Mind LLC company. So mm-hmm. talk to me about, first, I guess, the main question about everything you do. I would say the intention. What is the main intention and purpose of your work, Shalini? Mm. It's to remind people that we have this capacity to return back to ourselves, to return to a place of living intentionally, of seeing clearly, and um, yeah. So it's basically that's the thing, that we have this capacity to live a more fulfilling, intentional life. And and then that's the basic intention. And then it's like, okay, so what gets in the way? What are the causes and conditions for us to not live a fulfilling life and an intentional life? And so that's where I weave in some of the research I've done, some of my own experiences as a mindfulness practitioner, having worked in politics and, you know, that's like the most difficult. That's politics has been my biggest mindfulness teacher. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I can yeah, imagine. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. So how do we in those moments take all of life, not just a good part where we're successful and people love us, but also, and also how do we take the parts of life where people are angry at you or don't trust you? And how do we, in those situations, show up in our fullest way and engage with people from that place of love and connection and curiosity? And so that was something that, uh, like I mentioned, I had a big, big breakup with my first mindfulness partner, teacher, and that was a big shock to me. I'm like, whoa, here are two mindfulness teachers and trying to create a mindfulness business. And we ended up in such a bad way. I'm like, whoa. So first there was a lot of grief and anger and frustration. And and then over time, because of the practice, you know, it was like, okay, what's the gift in this situation? And the gift was that it really got me to think deeply and take a deeper dive into what mindfulness really means. Because earlier to me, mindfulness was, you know, being in meditation, being calm, being kind. And, but because of that breakup, I got to see that it's not somehow that easy when we're in life to show up in that way. And, uh, Yeah, so that was kind of how I started on that journey. And that's what led me to discover in the deeper mindfulness teachings that we have eight habits of the mind that we can cultivate so that when we are in life, 
when we are triggered, when we least expect it, and we want to react in a way that's not helpful to anyone, we're able to disrupt that and invite these eight qualities of the mind to engage in that situation in a way that's skillful. In a way that's good for everyone, right, Shalini? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Absolutely. I love this idea that we can come from that place that you speak of, which really resonates the, of who we really are. That place can really see the the big picture of life. Right. And I see that. And, and it's amazing. So in a way, if we are caught in situations like life is very unexpected, as we know, with the events mm-hmm. in 2020 and how everything changed so fast. This is something that it's a practice, but also a deep realization, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. That's why we need both. So... And uh, so the mindfulness practice, I'll come back to that because very often people who would take my classes, they would learn the meditation and they feel calm and then they would be like, oh, that felt so good. But then when I go back into life, I'm not able to keep that up. And so they had that glimpse and that realization that I have that capacity, right? And then the practice is that we meditate and then we jump into life, right? We're not changing the circumstances. We're not changing anything else in the rest of our day as much. So that's why the practice then is how to cultivate those qualities of the mind, which include like awareness and um, curiosity, compassion, appreciative joy, you know, calm, equanimity, all of these are different aspects of being mindful. How can we cultivate that throughout the day and do it not like, oh my God, now I have to figure out how to cultivate eight additional qualities, not in that way, but because we already have these qualities, right? And by the way, I also have a mindfulness contemplation quiz or assessment Mm, you want to take. It's on my website, knowyourmind.training. And so you can take that as a contemplative tool to see where we are, because all of us have these qualities, but we may have, like someone might have more compassion for others, as I was saying earlier, and less compassion for self. For some people, they may be high on awareness, but low on focus. Like they're very tuned into what's happening in the world. They're very empathetic. And that makes them actually more distracted because we are picking up on the energy of so much that's happening around us. So we're not really able to focus then. And so mindfulness is really that ability to know in different moments of time what's really needed. So And be able to use them. So in a way is the, um, the pure consciousness that some call the essence or unconditional love or God even. Uh, there are so many names, right, for the uh, essence of who we are. And then it's almost like that energy is being reflected into the mind or on the mind and then expanding from that in forms of, as you said, qualities such as awareness, compassion, curiosity. I love this view, this perspective on how it's not really accessing the source of who we are, that it's being expressed already through Mm -hmm. the mind and body. But it's just kind of being more open. And I love this idea of being open, being open to life and curious. Because that makes everything, yeah, makes that part of us shine and kind of uh, illuminate our actions and thoughts. Yes. Um, so 
I wanted to understand a little bit more too about, I have talked to so many people on meditation and mindfulness, and mm-hmm. some of them actually connect those two in a sense of being one practice, the same practice. Do you separate meditation from mindfulness? Yes, absolutely. So mindfulness in a very simple way of understanding it is our innate capacity to see clearly and live intentionally or act intentionally, right? And meditation is a training of the mind so that we're able to make intentional choices. And like I said, you know, we discussed earlier growing up, we cultivate these different ways or habits of the mind, how we are responding or reacting to life. Like for some people, something happens and they may, let's see, I'm thinking maybe we should do a practical example or something. Meditation and mindfulness. Okay. So, okay. How about I invite you, even though you can't see me and if, and the listeners do. So if you extend your hand out in front of you and now you move your hand from side to side, right? It's moving and close your eyes and you're still moving your hand. Do you know that you're moving your hand? You do. And how much effort does it take to know that your hand is moving? None, right? Okay, so that effortless knowing is mindfulness, right? Just that knowingness. It didn't take any effort. Just you brought attention to the fact that your hand is moving and you know your hand is moving, So that effortless knowingness of what's happening and your intentions that you are moving your hand, that's mindfulness. And now what happens though, and we all know how to know and we have that innate capacity, right? However, when life happens and then our old habits kick in to react or, you know, we may see when we actually look at the hand, for example, we may see wrinkles or it's dry. And now your hand, your mind starts reacting. Oh, I need to buy a cream. Let me go to Amazon, buy a cream. And so now your mind has started spinning based on what you've seen in media, how the hand should look like, what it is. It's good, bad. We bring in all these judgments and then we have reactions. So now to disrupt that cycle and not to be swept away by those thoughts and preferences and conditioning, we need to learn how to train the mind so that we have more control or we have more awareness of what's going on and what is really important. So that training of the mind and where you want your attention to go, that's meditation. Mm, That's very clear the way you say that. And so I love that the mindfulness example you gave, because Mm. that kind of reflects that, which I I was trying to illustrate as well about the uh, pure consciousness reflecting and just being It's always there, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of expressed through the movements of life, isn't it? Of mind and body. Everything is the movement of life. I don't see any separation anyway. It seems like it becomes a lot more of of a hard, kind of rigid, dense when we are not open, when we are... Right. We can't see really that everything is the dance of life, of love. Yes, it's a dance and the stillness. Yeah, at the same time, right? Yes. And I love that you say that it's that rigid way of moving. So the dance is not, it's not very graceful or, you, you know, yeah. 
restricted because because we've boxed ourselves in a certain way. Oh, I'm not good at this or not. So we're not even trying. We're not even open to experiencing and exploring. So yes, I love the way you said that. Makes a lot of sense to me if I can kind of picture that way. And let's see, there's another, in the uh, the TEDx talk that you gave, I see that you kind of um, instructed the audience to feel and you showed them the way back to themselves. Mm. That was beautiful, all the, the steps. I think you had four steps there. Also, there's something else, the article that yeah, I read on mindful.org, how to uh-huh. show up intentionally. You have been talking about that in difficult situations. Actually, the title is, uh, to be precise, how to show up intentionally and lovingly in difficult mm-hmm. situations. Uh, I love this title too. You shared three mindful steps and they are... Right. Meditation, which is connection, and then contemplate questions, and then mm-hmm. act skillfully. Do you want to elaborate a bit more on that, Shalini? Or yes, I would love to, because again, when we think of mindfulness as a practice, a lot of focus, especially in the West, has been around meditation. So in the and that's what I learned when I went deeper into the mindfulness teachings. There's actually um, a whole discourse on. It's called the Satipatthana Sutra, which is a discourse on mindfulness given by the Buddha. And in that, he explained that there are actually three broad aspects of a mindfulness training. The first is meditation. That's just the first step, which is to calm the mind, to control the monkey mind and bring it to this place of inner calm and clarity. Then once we are clear and present, Now the real work begins of contemplation of what is really going on. You know, what am I feeling? What are my intentions here? So it's this is the place where we cultivate insight about any situation and through asking questions, through that being open and not rigid. And then once we see in, you know, what's here, what's possible, that big picture view, and you look at things from different points of view, not just your usual way of seeing things, then we have clarity and there it clicks. We know it that when we have that clarity, then we have to act on it, not have to, but we naturally feel like acting in that particular way. So that's the third part of the training of a mindfulness training is how do we build these habits of the mind Because we may have the insight, right? Like we may have the deepest insight that I am love or we've all had experiences where we feel connected, but then we go back into life and we live in a disconnected way. And that's because our older habits, it's not like you failed or there's something wrong with you. It's just the way we are wired as human beings to be more efficient and use our resources effectively. So we try to automate, the brain tries to automate all our decision making, our responses and everything. So we have to undo some of that automaticity by building these habits throughout the day of being kind, of being curious, of being um, appreciative. And so that's why the Buddha had the third training, which is to act skillfully. And so we're building uh, habits of how we think, how we speak, and how we act throughout the day, returning back to our intentions. Am I speaking in a way that's intentional? Am I acting in a way that's intentional, that's in alignment with how I want to show up? 
So those are the three trainings. Yeah, that's what a beautiful picture. Yeah, to see, to visualize. Yeah, there's, Mm. um, it's almost like um, a very harmonious way of living, of experiencing life. Mm -hmm. And the main component to me that always stays very strongly is uh, being open, curious, Mm. open. Mm -hmm. It it helps me with everything, (laughs) not closing the door. Right. And I would add to that, that again, we, you know, being open is such a gift. And at the same time, if when it's out of balance, uh, when we are so open, we can get distracted. We can always be, you know, searching and looking and growing. And that's great. And at some time, in some situations, we actually need to be more focused, maybe, or we need more equanimity and we need more action or so we actually need to then. So that's where that mindfulness is also about balancing these different qualities of the mind. Like when do I need to be open and when do I need to actually uh, narrow in and close and, you know, not close, but like focus on. Okay, I guess the example I'm thinking of, because I'm a very curious person, and and so I'm always looking, oh, there has to be a better way of doing this. And then I can go on this endless search for teachers and programs, or if I'm doing, you know, working in in a political situation, let me do some more research, and I'm so open and gathering more information that I get delayed in my actions, And like my action may not be timely then like, oops, you were, you spent too much time researching. Uh There's not enough time to plan your action and what you're going to see. So that's why I feel like all of these different qualities, they are all like, I love the imagery of dancing too, like we're dancing. And then at the same time, there are times where we return to our stillness to see what's needed here. It might be that I have this uh, different perspective on being open. And that Mm. might be that is the foundation for me because without being open, then I cannot even focus or be appreciative. So it's openness to me comes as a foundation for everything, for anything that's possible to arise. Right, right. So it's a different... Yeah, uh, it might be interpretation like I think we're using the word open but it actually means two different things yes whereas you're talking about openness as our essence of being open to life and being present and awake like being awake yes Uh, yeah right Right. Mm -hmm. being present to what is present even if it is uncomfortable and painful yes 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 okay so let's see, we're almost at the end and I do have um, the ending questions. But before then, Shalini, talk to me about, again, about your new book, Eight Mindful Habits to Return to Yourself for a Clear and Bolder Life. But this is just a working title. I know that could change, yeah. right? I know you're planning also to, with that, to launch the app and the deck of cards. So with that in mind, I'd love to know a bit more about these projects, the new ones. And also if you would like to read anything that comes to Mm -hmm. mind. Ooh, I love that. So like I said, you know, this journey of writing the book started with my own search for how do we bridge this gap and how do we show up in a mindful way when it matters most. And uh, so the book 
started happening. And then accompanying the book, I started teaching an eight-week program to cultivate these eight qualities of the mind. So I'm writing the book, I'm teaching it. And then I entered politics. And then I was like, whoa, I really did not know what it looks like to take this into the real world. And that really deepened my own understanding and practice. And I realized, oh my God, I need reminders in the day, in the middle of a difficult meeting. And that applies to all of us, right? Like whether it's with children or whether you're in a, with a client or a staff employees, like we get triggered. And then how do we return to that place? And so the deck of cards was basically um, some of my clients also talked about it. Like, hey, we need reminders outside of your class to be mindful. So the eight qualities of the mind, we took that and actually it was during COVID when my son, who's now in medical school, he was stuck at home with us. And uh, one of my uh, young people who was in my class, uh, I want to honor both of them by taking their names. So that's Max, uh, is the young person who was taking the class with me and my son, Ankrish. And I just in my meditation had this insight that people are saying they need reminders. And here's this young man, Max, he had come with human centered design training. And my son, who's worked with me very closely on edits for my book and whatnot, I'm like, we three are kind of stuck here in Amherst. So why not create an app using human centered design as reminders, a deck of reminders for people using these eight qualities of the mind? So that's how that project took off and then my son took off to medical school and now it's just Max and me working on it. Uh, we had a beautiful designer, Laureen, who worked with us to create beautiful cards. And so it's a deck of 52 cards and basically based on eight qualities of the mind. So there's a, a series, uh, there are cards for awareness, to build awareness habit, compassion, curiosity, appreciative joy, energy, inner calm, focus, and equanimity. So there are eight qualities. And basically, the idea is that people can either go through all the 52 cards, one card one day, and really play with it, practice it, uh, keep it as a reminder, or they can use it as an SOS. Like if they're feeling triggered, they're going for an important meeting, they can pull one card. And the third way is like, just randomly, you know, you are you're with your family, you want to pick a card and talk about it. So just as an example, right before our podcast, and I was like, you know, before any yeah. podcast, there's a little bit of nervousness. And no matter how many uh -huh. you've done, you're still like, oh, will I remember to say the right thing? <laughs> and, you know, make sure I say all the important things I want to say. <laughs> and so like, okay, stop. Let's pick up a card. Uh -huh. So do you want me to read the card I picked up? Yes, please. I'm curious. Yes. Okay. You Absolutely. Love it. <laughs> yeah. You love it given <laughs> what yeah. you, your work is. So the card I picked for today was, so on the front of the card is a reminder, which can be like your daily mantra for the day. And so the card I got was abort, return to love. And um, the other side has a little insight and then a little practice and uh, questions for deeper reflection. So let me read what's on the other side. It says, taking intentional action may seem difficult, but it always gives us energy. So when feeling triggered, abort. Take a breath and acknowledge your reaction 
and return to what you care about and proceed with love and intentionality. And the reflection questions then are reflect on how you would like to show up for yourself, others, and the project. Let your love for what you do guide your actions. So it was perfect for today because I, I was know. getting a little nervous and it was like, uh-huh. oh, just return to love, return to why you, you know, what you love about this work and how you want to show up for the listeners, for Valeria, for yourself. And so it was just such a perfect reminder. And it like, you know, just it reorients the mind to come to that place of intentionality. Yeah, it's beautiful. And that's a reminder for all of us, really, Shalini, all of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a beautiful knowledge, wisdom to have, and also a reminder. So thank you so much for what you do and how you do it. It's beautiful. I can't wait to see the cards because I love art too. Mm. That must be really beautiful. I have seen some of them. In- in- incredible how much inspiration goes into it. Mm. Thank you again for what you do. What is another word for life? The first thing that comes to mind is love. (laughs) Because when we are loving ourselves, loving this moment, loving this opportunity, we come alive, right? And it's such a gift, such a gift to have this human body. And when we can really love this human body, which is kind of like the temple. It's what allows us to express our truest gifts and intentions. So when we return back to that love, we are really most alive. Yeah, so true. I love that answer. I hear that. And every time I hear, it's just um, that realization again comes to hear (laughs) mind and body. Mm -hmm. And you just made me reflect about having a body, the way you said, being expressing all that we are expressing here in Mm. in a human body, it's interesting, but it's so limited, isn't it? Because whatever we are, it's already everything. It doesn't need to prove anything to anyone. Mm -hmm. It's already all, isn't it? It's in perfect, unconditional love. It's like wholeness itself. So my last question is, what are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? One thing would be freedom from whatever is holding them back, from experiencing the truest essence and gifts that they were born to experience and share with others. So freedom. I think that's the one that comes is freedom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that really is like um, a three in one, right? Or maybe it's a billion in one. Yeah, Yeah, that's actually all of them in one is free from everything that's holding you back to be the fullest, most loving, most expansive self that you can be and that benefits you and all beings. I love your wisdom that... Spiritual knowledge, I have to say that because <laughs> it is spiritual mm-hmm. and the deep wisdom. Thank you so much, Shalini, for being you, for being open to life. Thank you Thank again. You. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Knowyourmind.training. So it's my website is knowyourmind.training. And uh, over there, there's a place where you can sign up for my newsletters. I don't really send too many. There's no time for spamming. Life is too short. <laughs> yeah. so, but if you do sign up for that, then whenever there are new classes, because everything is on Zoom. So I'm teaching on Zoom now and coaching on Zoom. And um, 
So if there are any upcoming classes, updates about the deck uh, and the digital product, which I didn't mention, which Mm, will be up soon. And actually, it's for all other professionals who want to create decks and cards. Um, I, I Again, it was a real synchronicity of time or whatever. But my partner for that is from Canada. Uh, Nick Kellett, and he's creating this digital app called Deckable. And it's basically, a um, it's like the audible for decks where there'll be all kinds of different decks on that one platform, one website, and one digital app. So people can um, create their decks and host them on this digital platform and users can then combine different decks and use them in a way that's meaningful to them. Wow, that sounds wonderful too. I'll have your website link on your podcast profile. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Shalini, for your presence and we'll talk soon. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Shalini Ball and her work, please visit knowyourmind.training. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.